Welcome to Tycoons of Small Biz, a podcast where small business owners are celebrated as the backbone of the American economy. Each week, we introduce you to tycoons who share their stories and advice so that small business owners may learn from their experiences. Tycoons is powered by Backbone Planning Partners, Fintrepid Solutions, and Pivotal Advisors. Join us now as our hosts connect you to today's tycoons. Good afternoon, tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, Austin Peterson, coming to you live from Gilbert, Arizona. Happy to be back after a couple of weeks. Uh, Unfortunately, I was out for not so great reasons. My father passed away, actually had uh, pancreatic cancer, diagnosed on July 3rd, passed away on August 1st. We laid him to rest on August 7th. But uh, I'll tell you what, it was a great experience. I was happy to be there. We laid him to rest the way that he would want to be laid to rest. He went out in a hearse that was glass encased and behind a hot rod. And the rest of us were right, about 40 of us were riding motorcycles to the cemetery. So more fitting for my dad than going out in a fancy hearse, just not the the guy that he was. So happy to be back, happy to have been there for my mom and, and able to celebrate her and so if this is the first time you're listening to our podcast and uh, you're wondering what it is that we do here at Tycoons of Small Biz, we are a, a podcast that's put together by small business owners for small business owners, and we truly do that. We interview a new, a new guest every single week. We've done so since May of 2020, and we allow them to talk about their business and share their story and give them a platform because the small business owner in this country is truly the backbone of the American economy, and we want to be able to highlight that and do everything that we can to prop them up. So with that being said, we definitely have a tycoon of small biz on the on the pro, on the podcast or on the program with us today. We've got Bennett Maxwell, entrepreneur, business owner, founder, CEO, whatever you want to call him, with Dirty Dough Cookies. So, Bennett, welcome to the show. Thank you. Sorry to hear about uh, the passing of your father, but it made me smile the way that you described how it all ended with you guys and, and your motorcycles there at the. Anyways, that, that's awesome that you honored him that way. So, super cool. Thanks for that. And uh, it, it was just one of those things, you know, we're planning the funeral and, and uh, I just looked at my mom and I said, that's just not dad. Dad doesn't want to go out, you know, in a fancy hearse. My dad was a stucco contractor. He was an entrepreneur. He was a business owner, grew up on a farm, loved motorcycles, his yeah. dream actually. So he, he passed away way too early. My dad just barely turned 70 in March as I said, you know, the pancreatic cancer came quickly and he, and he was gone quickly. But his dream in retirement was to travel the, the country on a gold wing, a fully dressed gold wing with my mom. And he never had that opportunity. He was basically sick from the time that, uh, that he retired until, until now, before it was heart issues and, and then the pancreatic cancer ultimately got him. But because he wasn't able to do that, we actually, we did what's called the, the missing man formation. And so, yeah, my brother had a neighbor that had a brand new fully dressed Honda Goldwing. And so my brother borrowed that bike and rode that bike with my mom on the back. Uh And so, if you haven't done or seen a missing man formation, it's two bikes, one bike. So the missing man is there and Uh then two bikes, right? So the missing man's in the middle. And so my mom rode next to the missing man, of course, and my, my brother was riding and then my myself and my other brother were at the front. So it, it was very fitting. It was very cool. Definitely one of the coolest things that I've ever done. Yeah, that's really cool. 
Yeah. And it was right there in your neck of the woods, actually. I grew up in Provo, Utah. My dad was laid to rest in Provo, Utah Cemetery. Okay, yeah, I'm just up the street in Pleasant Grove, but I grew up in Orem, so even closer. Yeah. Awesome. I guess I have to ask, Provo High School, or excuse me, Orem High School or Mountain View High School? I went to Mountain View. Mountain View? Okay. Yep. Yeah, so I, I would have gone to Mountain View. We moved. I went to Orem Junior High, Orem Junior High, but then we moved, and I went to Provo High School. Okay, awesome. Well, Bennett, thanks you know again for for being here, and and welcome to the program. Before we jump into the business side of things, we always have our guests tell a little bit about themselves personally. So, obviously, we now know that you're from Orem, Utah. But tell us tell us the rest of the the story. Where are you? Where did you get into business? What does your family life look like? What, you know, what did your parents do? Whatever you'd like us to know about you personally. Yeah, so I um, married, have three kids, five-year-old, three-year-old daughter, five and three-year-old daughter, and then a one-year-old son. So there are a handful of amazing kids. I grew up in Orem. I was number seven of nine children. So my dad and, and my mom got a divorce when I was, I don't know, like six or seven or something like that. But he's still around and he was very entrepreneurialistic and still was able to learn a lot from him. But also being the seventh out of nine children, raising a single family, you got a lot of freedom. <laughs> you know, you raise your first few kids, like they're going to die if you don't watch them every second. And then you slowly get more and more lax. And yeah, by the time seven, eight, nine hit, we kind of just did whatever we wanted. No, I'm just joking. But it, it was, it was, it was, it was great. And early on, we, love to do entrepreneur things. Like we lived right on um, a pretty busy street. I mean, like two houses down from busy street. So we'd always go down there and we'd throw, you know, we'd sell lemonade. And then we got this shaved ice, like slushy maker thing. And man, that was so cool. Cause then we could go sell that. We were selling candy bars at, at elementary junior high, started knocking doors to sell lawn aeration door to door. And then somebody else would come by and, you know, actually push the little thing then I did a lot of sports, football, re- wrestling, and rugby. I did all three of those in high school. So it was one after the other. To pay for that, I mean, it gets expensive. It's a few hundred bucks. You don't have money. Then you go hit the doors and you sell cookie dough or you're the starving student cards. And I was always sold the most of those because I needed to fund fund everything based on, on those sales. So that was kind of the upbringing here in, in Utah. And it's really big in Utah as well, the summer sales. So they get these college kids and say, Hey, you can go knock doors for four to five months and make enough money to you know, pay for your college. So you can graduate debt-free and you can actually focus on college. So you don't have to work during the school year. So I was like, sounds good to me. So I started knocking doors in pest control. Then I moved into alarms that went really well, dropped out of college. I'm like, I love what I'm doing. You know, I'm working four or five months of the year, making great money. And the transition to solar did that for a few months, loved it, wanted to start my own solar company, teamed up with my older brother, and we started a solar company, moved to San Diego. And then I jumped into cookies after that. So I guess during that, right next to right next to where you guys are at in Tempe, Arizona. So and and now that's yeah, now now my full-time focus is cookies. Awesome. So that's a big leap, right? So the summer sales thing, I obviously understand. There's a lot of that that goes on. My, I've got a 22-year-old son that's a college student. He's here at Arizona State, but he had thought about doing summer sales and been approached by multiple companies for summer sales for pest control, alarms, all those kinds of things. So I, I get that. And I understand the allure, of course, to be able to, to make decent money in a few in a few months. But 
then that leads you to starting your own solar company. Mm-hmm. But what I can't, <laughs> where I can't make the leap is from solar to cookies. So help us understand that. I thought that was just the natural next step. So I was like, solar now. So I, I was loving what I was doing with sales. And I'm like, you know what? I, but but I, wasn't, I was only working four to five months of the year. So then I have the off season. And the off season, I'm like, cookie franchises? Like, that would, like, anyways, a cousin brought it up. Hey, you should buy a crumble franchise. I was like, cool. Like, I would love to add to the income that I have right now, you know, and cookies sound fun. So I started looking into it and man, it looked sweet. Until I found out that it was owner operated. So I'm like, wait, you're telling me I have to pay you a bunch of money, then open up the store with a bunch of money. And then I'm forced to work there nine to five, at least nine to five. Like, I, I didn't know I was going to buy my own job. Like, no, I'm not down for that. I wanted to add to my income. I didn't want to give up my sales career to do that. Anyways, but it got me interested in cookies. So then somebody posts on Facebook, Tyler, who I went to school with there in Orem, Mountain View High School, he moved and started Dirty Dough out of ASU, his ASU apartment in 2018. And he posted, he said, hey, I have a cookie company, delivery only. I want to get a retail storefront. So I'm looking for some investment money. I'm like, oh, perfect. That's right up my alley. I can give him money and I don't have to, you know, this is passive for me. He's running, running it. So I invested. He opened up the storefront. I moved to San Diego. We had our first recruit January of 2020. Um, that was really when we, when we got off the ground. And Crumble opened up in Point Loma in the San Diego area and they were crushing it. So I'm like, Tyler, we need to get a dirty dog out here. I'm your guy. I'm your first franchisee. Fill out the docks. Tell me when to sign. I already found my spot in Pacific Beach. Long story short, he's like, not going to franchise. I actually want out of this business. It's hard work, long hours. And I want to go back to Utah with my family. So does my wife. So I thought, here I am in San Diego. I'm running solar company full-time. Never been in food, never been in franchise, none of that. And I have the opportunity to purchase a cookie shop out of Tempe, Arizona. And I thought, well, if I could do this, well, if I could do this and prove that this model works, like a dummy like me with no experience can run this, then man, isn't there a ton of other business owners that know how to run a business, don't necessarily know cookies, but if I can make it simple enough for them to do it, then that's a good market. On top of that, I just listened to a podcast that was talking about to be truly wealthy and financially free, it's real estate and businesses. People are buying real estate and they're buying businesses. I had maybe a handful of rental properties at the time. So I'm like, doing decent at real estate, never bought a business though. So that was kind of the other thing. I'm like, I'm just going to take the random advice and I'm going to just dive into it. So I purchased the company in January of last year of 2021. So just a year into solar. But solar is pretty much running itself. We had managers and regionals and everything like that in place. So I was able to buy the company and then it was just like, okay, let's make this as simple as possible. So that was kind of the transition from solar to dirty dough. After running both companies for five months, I was like, I need to, I need to pick one. And I saw a bigger potential with dirty dough and that was funner. So we sold the solar company and though I dove in full-time in dirty dough last June. So 14 months ago now, and that's what I've been doing. Uh, and we just, yeah, started franchising eight months ago and it's, it's been going pretty well. So I have to ask, cause you were in the solar company with your brother, correct? Yeah. So how did he feel about, uh, the transition and did he, is he involved in dirty dough as well? Or is it just you? Uh, it's just me. He stayed in solar. He started another company, uh, focusing on following up and he's doing great with that. 
Um, he, he was always making fun of me. He was like, cookies? Why are you going into cookies? I'm like, I'm telling you, look at what Crumble's doing. They're crushing it and nobody's competing with them. And they have an incredible, they have incredible sales, incredible branding, incredible cookies, but their model, in my opinion, is terrible. And I think I could fix all of that. So that was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go tackle this. I'm going to go tackle the cookies. Yeah. So you keep bringing up crumble and and what they're doing. And obviously I think that they've got a brand that is a little bit well, more well-known than yours at this point. So right now you could see a a hashtag online, Utah, hashtag Utah cookie wars, right? So there's a lot going on there. I don't know what you can or can't speak to, but maybe kind of enlighten us on, on what's going there. If, if you can. Yeah. So, so them having a, a brand and us being a little less known, that's an understatement. They filed a lawsuit against us in May this year, 2022. In May of 2022, we had one store open in Tempe, Arizona, zero stores in Utah. And yet they're suing us in Utah. They didn't even send a cease and desist. Like, hey, we think it's confusing because of XYZ and you guys should change your logo or colors or what, nothing. Straight to a lawsuit. And I'm like, what the freak? Like, Crumble, I'm your guys' biggest champion. Like, I've been commenting on your guys' stuff publicly on podcasts, like dozens of podcasts, like you guys are crushing it out there. But I don't think it was personal or anything. They sued a ton of companies. It's just, hey, we've done a billion dollars in sales. We have lots of money and let's go squash competition while they can't afford lawyers. That's what I think it was. But the lawsuit was silly, in my opinion. Uh, They brought up that it was that a Crumble employee started working for Crumble in 2019, left in June of 19. And then found a dirty dough. And I'm like, how about Google first? Like, when was Dirty Dough founded? It was founded a year before in a separate state by somebody who's never even had a crumble cookie before crumble was ever even in Arizona. Like, you like all of that's verifiable. Like, why don't you guys Google it? And then you scroll down through the lawsuit and it's like it shows a picture of our cookie with sprinkles and then their cookie with sprinkles. Like, oh no, <laughs> we both have cookies with sprinkles. And you scroll down and it shows their Facebook picture with cookies on it. And our Facebook cover photo with cookies on it. And then their ice cream and our ice cream. I'm like, what? Ice cream looks the same? Like, get out of here. We are, you know, we're screwed. They caught us. And then it's like, wait a second. Go look at the timestamp, right? Go look on Crumble's timestamp when they posted their Facebook cover picture. And then go look at ours. And then go do the same thing with those pictures in the lawsuit. And you'll find that a lot of those pictures we posted first. (laughs) So they're, they're using examples of them copying our cookies as us copying their cookies, but it doesn't matter because you can't patent a freaking cookie with sprinkles. And I'm like, you know, imagine if pizza companies did that to each other. You know, you, you get a letter, you're running a pizza company and you get a letter from Domino's. It's like, look at your pepperoni pizza. It looks awfully familiar to our pepperoni pizza. You're like, yeah, because it's a pepperoni pizza. That's what it's supposed to look like. So we thought it was very comical. I mean, it's not because it's a lawsuit, but at the same time, it's like, come on guys. What are you guys trying to do here? And then they call out the packaging as well because they use a rectangular box. No, there's nothing special to it, but it's but they're the only ones that can use a rectangular box. Again, what about fast food? You know, every company uses a brown bag, but that's what happened. And then we didn't think much of it. Like, yeah, we have to fight it, and it's going to be annoying. And then the news started picking it up, and they're like, "Hey, Crumble's suing all these companies, and it appears to have no merit." So it's kind of turned into like the David and Goliath story. We just opened up our third franchise or sorry, our second franchise, our third store. We have two more opening up this week, another one opening next week. 
starting to roll. We've sold 100, just under 130. And a lot of those happened since the lawsuit because the lawsuit just gave us massive publicity. Like I'm talking hundreds of franchise sales. Leads have already came in and they're already converting to actual stores signed. We signed dozens of people that, dozens of new stores that found us out through the lawsuit. So Crumble trying to slow us down did the exact opposite and they sped us up rapidly. So we have, this will result in a few hundred franchise sales from us, I think. So, I mean, it kind of already is. So it kind of sucks, but it also, there's definitely, definitely a lot of good coming out from the lawsuit as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting how that backfires sometimes, and and you know the way that they put this together. I mean, it, it's unfortunate because the reality is, I mean, you kind of already already hit on it, right? I mean, you, you think about you go back maybe five to seven years, and there were cupcake stores popping up everywhere, right? Yeah. And now we've got cookie stores popping up everywhere, and and you're you're absolutely right. I just don't know that they have the corner on cookies or gourmet cookie stores. Yeah. I mean, they're five years old. They're less than five years. How are you going to say you invented a giant cookie? You know, yeah. I mean, and you you being familiar with Utah, there's another cookie company called Chip that started a year before Crumble and Crumble was 100% aware of Chip. And they're like, oh, that's a good model. We're going to do the same thing up here in Logan, Utah. They just stole Chip's idea. And then they're suing people for saying, hey, you can't also steal Chip's idea because we stole it first and now it's ours. It's like, what? Large gourmet cookies served in a box? Oh, and you have a rotating menu novel. Wait, no, it's not like that's, that's been around for a hundred years. Bakeries rotating their flavors. In my opinion, pretty frivolous, pretty hypocritical, but it is what it is. And we have to deal with it. So that's, (laughs) that's where we're at right now. Yeah. Well, obviously it's annoying, but it sounds like it's, it's turned into a positive for you. It's a matter of fact, my, my business partner and co-host who wasn't able to make it here today for the show Landon Mance posted on, on LinkedIn, he said something about how, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if they did this just as a marketing ploy, right? Meaning that you and you yeah. and uh, Crumble, you know, were in cahoots to do this, to drive, you know, to drive the news and, and, uh, and your brand itself. And I think you responded and said, you got us, right? Which it was obviously a joke, but the re- the reality is it's done exactly that. It has pushed your brand nationwide. And like you said, it's driving more franchise sales. So hopefully that's the silver lining. Hopefully you can get through this without much in, in terms of legal fees and, and everybody can move on and, and do what they do. Yeah, no, for sure. I'll go buy a crumble cookie today. They have an amazing product. I mean, it is what it is. I love their, I love cookies. And it's, it's kind of just like, man, why don't you guys just text me? You have my freaking phone number. <laughs> you know, like if you have an issue, like let's resolve the issue. Don't just sue us. Like that's, it kind of seems silly, but yeah, that's, that's where we're at. So. Yeah. No, I hear you. Well, let, let's take a quick break and hear a call to action uh, for our listeners. And then I want to come back and talk a little bit more about the mission and kind of what you see, you know, moving forward with, with Dirty Dome. Hey there, Tycoons. Austin Peterson here, co-host of Tycoons of Small Biz. If you think you have what it takes to be considered a tycoon and you're wondering how you could become a featured guest, please follow and then message us at Tycoons of Small Biz on LinkedIn. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it is a mutually good fit. And if so, we'll get you scheduled for an interview. If you're unsure about being a guest on our podcast, but are contemplating selling your business over the next few years and you'd like to know what your business is worth, Please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no obligation, informal valuation of your business. 
We look forward to hearing from you and thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now back to today's program. All right, Tycoons, welcome back. We're here with Bennett Maxwell with uh, Dirty Dough Cookies. Bennett, we were talking about obviously Crumble and and the uh, competition lawsuit, et cetera, but let's kind of shift gears a little bit and talk about what it is that you guys are doing at Dirty Dough. I mean, you, you made the decision to shift from solar to cookies for very strong reasons in, in your mind. So tell us what that is. Tell us what your vision is for, for Dirty Dough going forward. Solar is amazing. Like I, I absolutely loved it. It's a great product. It was a no brainer as far as a sell. It's like, I'm going to cut your bill in half. You don't have to pay me a dime. I'm going to fix your payments and it's good for the environment. Like you're not going to tell me no, because that's foolish. So like, I love that. But what I didn't see is building a national brand with, my solar company. And I did see that in franchising. I'm like, man, if I could franchise, like, look what these other companies have been able to do. And there's so many great companies out there. And so that was kind of the big vision of it. And kind of in the background, like the purpose of Dirty Dough has nothing to do with cookies. About that same time in 2019, listening to a podcast, Jonathan Haidt, a psychologist, and boom, a freaking graph pops up on the screen showing this uh, hospital admission rates due to self-harm in girls from the year 2010, when social media was just getting started, to 2015, when all of those girls now have a cell phone. 189% increase. Like what? 189%, almost three times as likely to go to the hospital. I have a two-year-old daughter and a newborn daughter. What the hell do you do, right? I had no idea. Still don't, <laughs> still, still don't have most of it figured out, but man, that scared me. And then somebody in the, in the family 12 years old, had a suicide attempt in sixth grade in elementary school. And I'm like, man, this is a different world. I didn't know what suicide meant. Then my daughter starts watching, gets a hold of my phone, starts watching YouTube. Uh, really good, clean content, like a dad playing with his daughter. Within two weeks, she's comparing herself to this, this, this daughter, right? Hey, daddy, this girl gets to go to over there. They, they went to the pool. They went to the vacation. They, they, she got to buy this toy. And it's like, wait, you at four years old, you're comparing yourself to somebody on YouTube, I'm like, well, do you see this other girl crying? Do you see her fight with her brother? No, but does she? Yes. So like, it's very filtered, right? And that's the whole point of this, like the social media and what's being attributed to this mental health crisis. I have a normal and perfect life and I'm going to compare myself to Austin's perfect Instagram life. And I'm going to feel bad about myself because I'm not on vacation at that moment. And you never post when you fight with anybody, right? Or when you have down moments. So I just expect my life to be like your fictional life. Anyways, just has a lot of issues, uh, causing a lot of issues. So once I had dirty dough, uh, one of the employees told a customer, dirty dough means the dough is dirty because we focus on more mix-ins and more fillings inside the cookie. So crumble is the, is the Instagram cookie, right? Like it has to look perfect. And it's like, well, that's, I mean, not that crumble has anything to do with the mental health crisis, but like that is what I just described, right? People only posting the highlights of life. And it's like, well, let's go the opposite. Let's do a dirty cookie, an imperfect cookie and have the messaging of life is dirty and imperfect, but it's meant to be enjoyed, right? Like that's a positive message that I believe in. I think that can help my daughters. I think that can help myself. So like our tagline is what's on the inside that matters. And then you look at our cookies, it's very unique. And that's what makes the lawsuit even funnier because Crumble does like a normal cookie with like half an inch of frosting. That's what most of their cookies have. And they don't do, they, they do very little fillings. If they do do a cookie with a filling inside, it's like has nothing inside of it. 
and they only do like single dough flavors. Well, we do large cookies, they're fatter. We do almost exclusively cookies with fillings, or they'll have two layers or they'll have three layers. So what's a three-layer cookie? It's a peanut butter cookie. You break it open. There's actually chocolate dough in the middle. And in the very center, there's hot fudge. Like put that up next to crumbles cookie with half inch of frosting. And we don't use frostings. Like, yeah, they're both a cookie, but that's as different as possible as far as the cookies go. And as far as the messaging, the branding, but that's, that's the purpose of dirty dough and what we're getting behind. And it is, we're creating a nonprofit to build wellness centers in K through 12 schools in order to start proactively educating kids on mental health. How do you stay on top of your mental health? So a lot of that, anyways, that's kind of the primary focus. It is the primary focus. The secondary focus of Dirty Dough is to lower the barrier of entry for entrepreneurship. So you have to have a game plan. You have to have money. You have to have time. You have to have expertise. That's what it takes to be an entrepreneur, in my opinion. Well, game plan is provided to you in the franchise model. We do a centralized production model, meaning you don't have to order your raw ingredients. You don't have to hire people to mix your dough. You don't have to, you know, teenagers aren't going to mess up and then throw it away. You need a lot smaller square footage, a lot lower lease payment, half the employees because you're no longer hand weighing any of the dough. It gets shipped to you pre-portioned. All you do is put it in the oven and press start. Like, it's super, super simple. It really is the most super simplistic food franchise model. So with that being said, we, we're opening up these stores at less than half the cost compared to the competition. They require way less time to manage because there's way less going on, way less employees. And then the expertise required, you don't need to be a baker to own a dirty dough. And secret, I've never made a batch of cookies. you know, And I, I haven't, I don't plan on doing it because it's not in the model. I don't, I don't need to right? Just like our franchisee. So that's the secondary purpose and kind of behind Dirty Dough and why I wanted to go from solar to Dirty Dough. Because I'm like, I could spread this message of mental health and I could spread this message of, hey, you could be an entrepreneur. You can build generational wealth and hopefully have a franchise for 45 years, just like Mrs. Fields has done, right? And just like Great American Cookie Company have done. Both of those are 45 years old with multiple hundred locations still open. So that was the goal. And I just saw franchising as being able to expedite that vision a lot quicker because financially, I don't have to come up with money for a thousand stores. And that's what I want. I want a thousand stores. Instead, I can pool other entrepreneurs and then we could all invest together in, in realizing that goal. No, I think that's a great, a great goal. And, and, you know, the social media, the comparison, all those sorts of things. So I, I have a 19-year-old daughter. And a 22-year-old son, right? And then, well, a wife that's a different age than that. So let's just, let's leave it at that. I uh, won't throw my wife's, my wife's age out there. And, you know, obviously I'm active on social media for my business. There are lots and lots of benefits for social media. We use it a lot with the podcast. We use it a lot for our day-to-day business as well. But the comparison thing is real. That suicide rate that you're talking about going up and having that drawn, you know, that correlation between social media and smartphones, that correlation is real. I don't think that you can, there, I don't think you can draw a conclusion other than that uh, yeah. as that suicide rate has, has gone up. And, you know, I say to my wife and my kids all the time that I believe that social media will be the downfall to our society. Like it, it really is. With the positives, there are a lot of 
big, big negatives with social media. And it's important for us to educate, which it sounds like you guys are getting ready to do with the nonprofit, the kids as to the responsible use of social media and the understanding of what truly is being portrayed on there compared to what reality is. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and it's really not being talked about. So going through this process, I got a business coach, you know, and he's like, I'm asking the question, I don't even remember what the question was, but he's like, well, what aligns with your mission statement? I was like, what the hell is a mission statement? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. I'm just freaking, he's like, what do you mean? Like, why are you in business for? And I'm, I'm like rattling all these things. Like, you need to make that into a mission statement. You need to figure that out and get clarity. Um, so, so the mission statement for Dirty Dough, which is adapted for my personal mission statement, to find joy and fulfillment despite life's dirtiness in myself and others or in ourselves and others, right? So let's be happy now. Let's be fulfilled by contributing to a greater cause despite life's dirtiness, meaning let's not wait for perfection to be fulfilled and, and happy. Focus on ourselves first and then let's help as many people as possible after that. So with that being said, that's what I believe in. Now, physical health is very important and we're all on board with how important physical health is. But if you want to be happy, if you only had, you know, to choose one, what's going to make you more fulfilled and happier? Is it going to be proactively working on your mental health or lifting some weights and your physical? Another, you don't have to choose one, right? But it's like, to me, it's the mental health. And guess what? Nobody's doing, nobody's being proactive with the mental health. It's mental health means anxiety and depression. It's like, no, 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 no. That, that's mental health illness. Mental health is mentality and mindset and living in the moment and being present with who you are, right? And knowing what you want. And that's what I'm really trying to change is that stigma against what mental health is. And let's not talk about it because I don't want to be labeled as somebody who has depression or whatever, right? So that, that's, that's the, the overall goal. And cookies just happen to be fun. The product happened to correlate really well with the message. And it's a very profitable model to allow us to fund everything that we're trying to do, right? With, with the nonprofit. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's great. And, you know, I, if you were to ask my wife, my wife will tell you that the two are tied together, physical health and mental health, right? And hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. For her, she knows that her mental health is not nearly as good if she misses the physical exercise. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we recently talked about that where everything going on with my dad and, and helping with different things around the house and, planning the funeral and, you know, all the stuff that goes with that, <clears throat> you know, she said, I, I, I feel bad because I want to go to the gym in the morning before we get things going. And I said, look, you shouldn't feel bad about that at all. The reality is if you can't take care of yourself first, you can't take care of other people. Right. Exactly. And you've got to take care of yourself with, from a mental health standpoint. And I would say for a, from a physical health standpoint as well, but if you did ask me to choose, I would say that mental health is more important than physical health, but they are definitely tired. They're tired. Yeah. tired. Yep. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your team at this point, how you've, how you've hired the right team and maybe just, you know, share some advice for future franchisees or anybody else that's listening as to how to hire the right team and how beneficial that is to your organization. Yeah, I think, so I, I took a startup course. This helped a lot. Same with the book called E-Myth Revisited. I'll start with that. It's uh, it's it's a silly activity. Read the book, do the activity. I did it with my brother because he forced me to do it when we started the solar company. So we built this whole org chart when we had a company of two people, right? Like 
why do I need to be the COO and the CFO and the sales manager and the salesperson and the regional sales? Like, this is silly. But he's like, we're doing it. So we did it. And then we slowly replaced ourselves. And within a year, we were pretty much out of the business. That's when I came in and bought Dirty Dope because I didn't, I wasn't needed in the solar company because I was able to let go of those things and hire the right people. Then a few months after that, sold the business, sold the solar business and jumped into Dirty Dope full time. Took a startup course and I learned a lot more stuff about starting a business and getting the advisory board and hiring the right people. But I, I think that that's where most of us, that startup course taught me the difference between a small business and a scalable business. A small business is kind of going back to the crumble model, right? Like I own my own franchise, but if I don't show up, I'm not making money, right? Like that's not, that's not a business in the, this book's opinion. And I, I agree with it. That's a job. And it's not a great job because you work the longest hours and you get paid last. So how, how do we go from owning your own job to actually having a business? Well, you need to delegate and you need to build the organization correctly. And you need to have standard operating procedures for every single position. Then you need to start plugging people in. So with Dirty Dough, I kind of took a shortcut. I didn't put my hat in all the roles. I had to kind of just immediately hire people that were more experienced than me. So I hired, after getting a really good advisory board led by John Richards, he had Infospace, took that public, it was valued at 30 billion plus at its peak, hit another, I mean, several other home run deals on investments and advisory. Eric Van Horn is in the franchise space. He has the largest franchise mastermind group, largest franchise podcast, just got him on the board. Steve Hart owns the largest franchise, uh, property management franchise. Then I hired Jill Summer Hayes, who started Maui Waui Smoothies and Coffee back in 83, ran it for 35 years. It peaked at like 800, or sorry, uh, 680 locations. Sold that, took another brand from zero to 90 in a few years. And I'm like, she's way better at this than me. Like anyone can tell you that. You come run the business, you be the CEO. I'm going to finish putting together the team, right? And then we went and hired a killer production guy because now in our attempt to make it as simple as possible with the franchisee, we also are now a food manufacturing business. So I hired somebody that started that branch for another company, took it from zero to 70 million in two years. So I'm like, Josh, you're coming and running this. Please come run this with us. And then, well, now we're a logistics company too, right? Because now we have to ship the dough out. Ivan, he did 50 million last year with his trucking business. He sold that. Ivan, come do that for us, please. You know, if you could do it for, if you did 50 million last year, we only have three stores up right now. You know, this is a piece of cake for you. But that's what we started doing is again, I'm like, I'm trying to replace myself as quickly as possible. I don't have any day-to-day tasks. Like I, I do this podcast because I think that that's what the company needs right now. Not because I'm the podcast guy per se. I don't do the sales. I don't do marketing meetings. I don't do the finance. I don't do the books. Like there's somebody in charge of everything. And I'm just kind of overseeing with Jill, all of those different aspects, but it's really to free up my time so I can work on the business rather than in the business. And that I'm definitely very passionate about doing that because that's when you get your time freedom. I just got back from Mexico on Friday and I was there for four weeks because my wife wanted to visit her family and I didn't want to not be with my family. <laughs> so, uh, but I was able to do that because we set up everything correctly and I, we're really going for that. Try to transition from small business to a scalable business. I think that you hit some things that are really important that most most might be a stretch, but I, I really do think it's most. Most entrepreneurs don't fully understand ever in their careers, right? 
You know, the, the reality is 99% of all businesses in our country are considered small businesses. And, and the reality is there's multiple definitions of what, what a small business is, right? Even on the SBA's website, there's multiple yep. definitions. But most businesses, so most of the 99% will never do a million dollars in revenue, will never have more than five employees. And so they, and, and a lot of it is they don't know what to do to scale it, right? A lot of business owners start a business because they just don't want to work for somebody else. They want to provide themselves a job, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's what my dad did as a stucco contractor. He provided himself a job, built his own organization, but he really only had two, three, maybe five employees at the most ever, which was yep. comfortable for him, right? Yeah. Provided a living for himself and for his family. And that that's as far as he meant to take it. But if you truly want to scale the way that you're scaling and, and you know other businesses that are listening want to scale, you have to be able to hire the right people and take those hats off, right? You said you went through the E-Myth Revisited Org chart and all yep. those roles you're fulfilling. And you have to slowly tick each one of those off so that you're not fulfilling them. And we call that in our business, we call that transitioning from an owner mindset to an investor mindset, right? Mm -hmm. You may own shares in Tesla or Facebook or Google or Amazon or you know, all those sorts of things as an investor, but you have to treat your own business as you own shares in that business as well. And you're receiving profits or dividends from that business. Mm -hmm. And you may also be receiving a salary for running that business, but the intent is at some point to not necessarily receive a salary for running that business and somebody else is running that business. And oh, by the way, if you're not needed to run the day-to-day -day in the business, the value of your business goes from here to here, right? Yep. I mean, it's tremendous, the multiple that that increases. And, and the other thing that most people won't have picked up on from what you said is the fact that you really kind of created two other businesses making it easier for your franchisees, but you kind of created two other businesses and profit centers for Dirty Dough in the fact that you guys are manufacturing the dough and you're handling logistics. And so you've got additional revenue streams and profit centers for Dirty Dough as well. You have to invest a lot of money to, to, to do it this way, right? It's, it's a lot easier to just say, hey, Mr. Franchisee, order all of your ingredients from Cisco, buy your own mixers, hire your own employees, and follow these recipes. Make sure not, you know, make sure you scoop the flour or you level it. You don't pat it. Like all these different things, and, and quality controls on you, right? Like that's the easier route. We took the other route and said, how do we make this as easy as possible and as sustainable as possible? We got ourselves into all this other mess. No, but it's going really well because I have top tier people running them, and they are profit centers while still delivering to the franchisee at as much lower cost. Because when you centralize all your ordering man, you get huge discounts, right? When you don't have to go through a third-party distributor, 10 plus percent discount. When you go from buying a 50-pound bag of flour or sugar to a truckload, man, there's another 10% off. And then yeah. you mix hundreds of cookies at a time with highly experienced bakers versus 60 to 70 cookies at a time with teenagers in store. And then rather than weighing them each by hand and forming them by hand, you run them through a machine that produces a three-layer cookie that separates you from the competition while reducing the labor and increasing the accuracy of the size, weight, shape of the cookie. So lots of big benefits from going this model. 
but I mean, it's a million dollars plus before you even open up your freaking first franchise because it's expensive, but it's paying off. I mean, we've, we'll have a hundred and I think we, we, we sold like 120 something yesterday was the the number we're at just, just under 130. So it's definitely paying off because people are like, oh, that's a pretty killer team. It's a pretty killer process, but yeah, it took, it took a little bit to get there, both time and money. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think you're, I think you're building something special and I think you're, you're doing things, you know, the right way. You're, you're obviously, I'm going to guess that you're not as old as me. Don't let the gray fool you. I'm not as old as I might look, but I'm pretty sure I'm older than you. And and I think that you're, you know, you're, you're on your way to building something special here and, uh, and hats off to you for doing that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. So anything else before we, we let you wrap up? I know you actually have another podcast interview to get to today, but before we wrap up, anything else that you'd like to get out there as a, as a message, obviously share us, you know, share how to find you on social media and online, but any, anything specific that you'd like to pass on additionally about the business or, or otherwise. Yeah. So speaking of my age, I'm 29. Almost, I'm, so I'm right, right under 30. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it taught me work to learn, not to earn in your twenties. So I'm like, I'm still doing that. And speaking of mental health and mentality, running a business, man, that's tough, right? The ups and downs, that's tough. However, if you don't look at failures as, oh crap, I waste all this time. Oh crap, I waste all this money. It's wow. That was a good experience that I just learned. Wow. I'm going to be better because I learned that. Wow. That, that experience sucked because I got kicked in the face, but man, now I know how to prevent that in the future. So going with the I don't care about the money. Like the money, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But I know if I'm bettering myself as an individual, then yes, I do believe the money will come. It doesn't have to come this year. It doesn't have to come next year. It doesn't have to even come in 10 years. Luckily, I'm already seeing you know a lot of success on that end. But work to learn not to earn is definitely my biggest piece of advice that I've applied to myself to stay sharp mentally and keep pushing through is, man, that was cool. You know, like, man, I learned a lot. And then as far as social media or contacting me, BennettMaxwell.com is my website, B-E-N-N-E-T-T-M-A-X-W-E-L-L.com. You can check out franchising on there. And right there, when you click on the franchise, you're going to see our core values. You're going to see our mission statement. This is what Dirty Dough is about. It has nothing to do with cookies, right? But this is the change that we're trying to make. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. You can follow me on all of those as well. I try to put out good content every day to add value or sometimes just make you laugh. But yeah, those are the best ways to to stay in contact with me. Yeah, no, that's that sounds great. And again, appreciate you making the time. Appreciate you being willing to come on and, and share some some nuggets of wisdom with our listeners. Um, we look forward to following your journey over the years to come, and and hopefully staying in touch as uh, as time goes on. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks, Bennett. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz a podcast for small business owners by small business owners. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Arizona time for an introduction to another great tycoon. And be sure to follow us on our social media channels for links to all of our episodes and great content.